Howdy, this is Ed Pedersen. Welcome to the slide area, the slide guitar podcast. This is episode 14. 14. We've made it this far. How about that? I want to say something up front, though, that this will probably be the last slide podcast for a little while. I know it's been a while in between 13 and this one 14. Um, mostly because I've been super busy working on projects. But the other thing that's been bugging me is that we don't really have much diversity going on so far in these slide guitar podcasts. And what I mean by that is, yeah, we've interviewed people from all over the world and just incredible uh, talents we've been able to feature and glean from. But I've reached out to several uh, female slide guitarists who I really admire, and I'm sure there's many more out there, but as of yet, the only one who's agreed to do it is Susan Alcorn, who will be hopefully featured in the next episode you hear, if I can uh, connect with her, because I really admire her work, but I've reached out to Rory Block and Cindy Cashdollar and Bonnie Raitt and a few others, and it's been radio silence, so until I can you know, maybe it's just my thing, but until I can get a little more diversity going here, I feel like, you know, enough's enough, and uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's just build on that. But, okay, so that out of the way, uh, let's talk about this episode and our extremely gracious guest, Mike Brenner, Mr. Slow-Mo himself from the Philly scene, but he's played with everybody from Jason Molina to Marah and a whole slew of alt-country Americana-type artists, singer-songwriters, you name it. Um, he's really, really talented and a super nice guy and really informed on the uh, slide guitar form and history. Um, he really gets it. He, he's very eloquent. I think you'll get a lot out of this. We met when I had found out that you know, he was available to do some sessions, and I wrote a song called Jason Molina's Blues on the last Tireline Writers record in 2015, not the new one that just came out this year, 2018. Um, but I wanted him to play on it, and he was so awesome and so, um, you know, kind that we brought him in and had him play on the whole damn record. And he ended up doing a gig with us, our record release party, just the most awesome dude ever. I think you'll get a lot out of this, and I'll course, uh, at my site, I'll have links for him on YouTube and whatnot, but go, go look up Mike Brenner and uh, check out his uh, unique style. He, he, I think he's different besides that he's got his own kind of vibe and style. I think he's particularly different from most people because he um, adopted the Hindustani style way before most Western slide players and went as far as to go to India and study with Debashish. Um, and he was the one who actually put me in contact with Debashish, which who you heard in a previous episode. So anyway, enough of the jibba jabba. Let's get to Mike Slomo Brenna. First thing I wanted to ask you is so you know you're uh, you're mostly known for lap steel, right? Um, yeah. And uh, you play lap steel in G. What what key are you playing it in mostly? Yeah, I mean, I, I 
I got into the Steel World, uh, the uh, Bluegrass Dobro. So when I'm playing six-string lap steel, I stick with that tuning, you know, GBD, GBD, Open G. So Gotcha. Does it ever uh, vary from that at all? Do you ever um, go into anything else, or that's that's your go-to thing? It's pretty much my go-to thing. Occasionally, I'll um, I'll drop the, uh, the the second string, the B, down to an A, so I can do those uh, behind the bar pulls or the pedal steely pulls. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, to learn did you let me back up for a second so when you first started playing did you gravitate immediately towards the open tunings or did you start on standard like everybody else how did that work no i I spent a little bit of time with the bottleneck but um i was really captivated by um the sound of the dobro and gary douglas and all those big michael aldridge and I really, there was something about that tone and the sound of the resonator that made me go crazy. Uh, I love the sound of bottleneck, but um, there was just something about that, what you can do with the uh, playing lap style and using the open strings to get the wine, you know, and, um, that, you, that, you know, I know some people, I mean, I got like Sonny Landreth to do anything on the on the bottleneck, but, you know, most people sort of do their Dwayne Allman impersonation and, and it kind of ends there. And I, I wasn't hugely interested in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was really, it was really the, the, the sound of the, the, um, square neck Dobro that got me into the whole slide thing in a, in a bigger way. I think when I was goofing around with the bottleneck, it was just, oh, you know, just kind of giving it a go, but I wasn't really, as transfixed by the whole idea as I was with the Dobro, which basically caused me to stop playing standard guitar, you know? (laughs) How quick was that transition to go from standard guitar to that once from when you started playing guitar completely to when you really just said, okay, now this, this other thing, this Dobro uh, uh, lap style is really where it's at for me. Um, I guess it was, uh, and, and it was sort of, um, almost like a therapeutic thing. I was, um, <laughs> excuse me, I was wrapping up a band, uh, that I had led for about seven years, you know, um, you know, we, we, we put out a couple of records on Caroline and, um, did pretty, pretty good business in, in the Philadelphia region. And then, you know, as bands go, uh, it, it wrapped up. And I think besides starting to become aware of the dobro and lap playing and stuff like that, I, I felt like I 
I was looking for something to, to make a real left turn, you know, to sort of get me out of, I don't know. I just, you know, by the end of the band, I felt like I was in a mental rut, a musical rut, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just wanted to do something that was totally different than what I had been doing for the past seven years, you know, and um, it just kind of coincided with that. I knew I wanted to do something different, and then I remember being at this uh, radio station, and I heard this tune by Joan Joan Baez that was being played on the air at the time, and um, there was this, you know, like slide stuff going on in the background, and you know, there's just something about a dobro that identifies itself, the lap dobro. Identifies itself as this is not bottleneck, you know. And <laughs> I basically didn't even know what it was. And I, I asked uh, the DJ um, at the time. I said, "What is that? You know, what is the slide thing in the background?" And he goes, "Oh, that's that's Jerry Douglas playing dobro." Uh, and I basically said in my mind, "You know, that's what I want to play." And at that point, I, I picked up one of those. Uh, I did some research and uh, I picked up one of those uh, Hawaiian nut extenders and uh, slapped it on a beater acoustic of mine and bought a bunch of Dobro books and whatever I could find. And uh, um, I, I, it took me, I, I spent about a year on the acoustic with the, with the nut extender until I actually found a, um, a real dobro. And during that year, I just uh, became so obsessed with playing lap style that by the time I bought my first real dobro, I was fairly uninterested in playing standard electric or acoustic guitar. So, you know, the transition was about a year, and then by the time I got that first dobro, I had you know, I acquired some rudimentary skills and basically enough enough skills to, to really kind of jazz me, you know, like I was like, I just, I just couldn't believe that I was actually playing lap slide guitar. I just, I guess I had just always assumed that it was this like impossible thing to learn. But, um, but if you get obsessed by something, you know, and just play it every day, you know, you make progress, so. Well, yeah, that's kind of sort of the purpose of the book is that, you know, when I started getting obsessed with it myself a couple of few years ago, you know, I, I watched every video and read every book I can, but there's little, it's very frustrating, you know, yeah. um, and I, I don't think anybody would deny that. So like to have a resource where... You know, because everybody's got their own sound and everybody's got their own style. Like you said, you know, the the, the Dwayne thing wasn't for you. And um, yeah. and and so, like, how how many hours a day were you practicing when you to, to get where you felt like you were really good and you could go out and play with other people and stuff? Um, you know, I wasn't. I think at that time, this was about 15 years ago, um, I, I, was, I definitely, you know, I wasn't working full 
time and I wasn't a father, so I had some time, you know, and <laughs> I think it, was, it wasn't unreasonable for me to play a good, you know, six, seven hours a day. At that time, I was able to. Right. Uh, uh, and, and that, you know, really pretty soon after that, there were a couple of bands in Philly um, that were kind of like neophyte, alt-country, bluegrass wannabes. And, you know, as far as the skill level, I, I pretty much fit into that because, <laughs> you know, I had learned some fiddle tunes on Dobro and I had learned some, you know, Jerry Douglas this and Mike Aldridge that and I could kind of kind of play along with what they were doing. I mean, they weren't especially, you know, you know, guns either. So, and by the time, uh, by the time that, uh, I, I, uh, I had known the Marat guys previously because, you know, they were in Philly in my band, which was called the low road. Um, uh, they had even opened for that that band a few times, and I was aware of what they were doing. At the, you know, at the time that I saw them, they were kind of more of a replacement kind of thing, real stonesy. But then they they kind of um, they put out their first record, which was very kind of acoustic, back porchy, and they went through some lineup changes, and they they basically. You know, I said, hey, you know, we didn't realize that you were playing Dobro and you want to record, and then I wound up playing with them. And that was really the moment where um, I started gigging with them a lot. And that, you know, that and a couple other bands, John Train and this other band, Y'all, from New York City. Um, between those three acts was, was really kind of like, uh, you know, trial by fire, you know, like you're, you're kind of learning on the gig as far as fly goes. And right. right. I, I started gigging enough that, you know, I started compiling a bunch of vocabulary on the steel and getting more confident in the tuning and stuff like that. I, with Marat, it was basically I switched to lap steel because playing dobro with, with against those types of stage volumes proved to be kind of uh, frustrating. So, um, you know, I picked, picked up a cool lap steel and, you know, I had a background in electric guitar. I was fairly confident in that. So, um, uh, it wasn't alien for me to suddenly whip out all my effects pedals again and the amps and stuff like that. But, uh, initially I was really kind of super focused on bluegrass and acoustic and keeping it kind of pure. But, um, you know, once once I started playing with rock bands again, I, I kind of shifted into a, more of an electric mode. So. And I guess maybe was some of the attraction of the, of the Dobro and Lap Steel coming out of your, uh, you know, first band experience success. Well, I guess some of the attraction probably was that, you know, you could accompany yourself. You know, you didn't. You know, it was almost, you know, that's one of the cool things about open tunings, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, uh, 
I mean, one of the real big attractions was that uh, I know that there were there were other people doing it in Philly, but they weren't especially visible. And um, it seemed like the minute that I became competent enough to, you know, sound reasonably, you know, uh, you know, sound okay on stage, suddenly I started getting a lot of offers to, you know, hey, do you want to record? Do you want to play? And it wasn't because I was some hotshot. It was just because, at least in the Philly area, there wasn't, there, there really weren't that many steel players. So, um, uh, there's more now, but, um, uh, at that time, uh, on the East Coast in general, there, there, there weren't a huge amount of um, people that were basically calling themselves steel players, you know, and saying, this, this is what I want to do. You know, I'm sure there were a bunch of guitar players that had lap steels that could do some, do some of this and that, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it really, I mean, I think initially I was kind of like, I'm finished with the fucking music business and I want something just to retire on the porch with. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, and just play bluegrass and not worry about digging and records and stuff. But, uh, it really wound up opening, I, I, you know, opening up a lot of doors. I, I, I suddenly started touring with Marat and, you know, some years after that, um, Jason, you know, I came into contact with Jason Molina because he was looking for some kind of slide thing in Philadelphia. And, um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it just, it, it suddenly, suddenly I had a new career and it was really <laughs> somewhat un- unplanned, unexpected, but, uh, well, it, you know, know, it, I, I it, it, go ahead. It, it feels, you know, like it just, you know, when, 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 you get somebody who's really skilled at it, like yourself, you know, you're with the open tuning. You don't, you can own, I mean, and this is very abstract, but you know, it, it, it can almost cover two guitars, you know? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so it goes a long way. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think people don't realize, how much stuff you can cover even in a very basic tuning like G. I mean, I, I mean, you really can kind of cover anything. I mean, once you started to, once you started, start to get into, um, like, uh, like a harmony issue thing, things start to get a little funky on lap steel and that type of tuning. But, you know, I mean, I remember being with Marat, and they said, well, there's these lines on the record, and the horn plays them, so we probably can't do that. And I'm like, well, I can play the line, you know what I mean? And you can kind of learn anything and just just play it on the lap steel. And I mean, a lot of people always recommend that, you know, learn horn lines, because, because you know, the average saxophone player is is probably better than the average guitar player. <laughs> so, um, once you, you start to pick up, like, you know, try to learn guitar solos on slide or try to learn horn solos on slide, you realize, you know, you can't get it exactly, maybe, but you can get pretty close, and once your skills get sharper, it, it turns into a cool thing. I mean, you don't always have to play slide language. 
when even if you're playing a lap steel guitar, although, you know, certainly lap steel language and dobro language is fantastic, but I mean, you can do so, and then of course when you add effects and delay and this and that, I mean, I think, you know, the sky's the limit. It's just your imagination, you know, you can and kind of do whatever you can, you know? Well, you know, people think of slide as a very vocal instrument. And exactly. most vocals, most great... I mean, look at the vocal melodies of every great song uh, of, of not just the last 50 years, but maybe in history, they're, they're horn lines. Right. You know, so... But how... how um, how was uh, so then? But then you picked up pedal steel at some point. Um, how was that transition? It's a different tuning. There's levers and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, was that like another new challenge that you kind of like obsessed over? Yeah, it was pretty difficult. Um, it's funny though. Like I, I got used to sitting in front of my pedal board on lap steel playing the volume pedal with my left foot. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, that's what I started with. And it was really funny that the one of the biggest challenges for me when I switched to pedal steel was getting used to playing volume, the volume pedal with the right foot. I, I just found it really awkward. And, um, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, certainly steel players will tell you it's, it's quite a different touch with your hands. I was a pretty aggressive dobro player and lap steel player, but if you try to play that type of, you know, uh, with that type of pressure on the pedal steel, it really doesn't work so well. But that that took some that took some sort of untraining, you know. Um, I think. For the most part, I picked up pedal steel because uh, people in the you know in the studio, where people would hire me for a session and say you know well do you can you play pedal steel and um, you know after uh, a couple more questions like that I found you know well I better get a pedal steel and <laughs> you know I picked up some cheap instrument and started started playing on it. And, um, you know, I go, I go through periods where I, I play it a lot and get really upset. And then it kind of fades into the background if I get busy doing something else. And then maybe I'll have a chunk of time where I, I'm idle and uh, I'll, I'll start working on the pedal steel. At this point, I, I consider myself, uh, you know, um, capable, but, you know, uh, not, not a crazy improviser, but I can figure out parts and I'm starting to be able to um, uh, be able to kind of um, work through basic solos that I hear on other people's records and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm much more um, fluid and comfortable still on the six-string lap steel. But, you know, pedal steel is an amazing instrument. I'm, I'm still in the discovery process for that instrument, but uh, enjoy playing it. <laughs> it, 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 that, that, you know, I, I had to make a decision at some point between, I'd even bought, uh, I, I bought a Weissenborn at one point and I even bought a, um, uh, a Wechter, uh, Dobro and, 
Yeah, it was, it's a nice one, too. And um, I still have it. Um, but I had to make a decision at some point. Like, okay, well, what what's speaking to me? And, um, it, you know, I just marvel at you guys that can play not just lap steel, but especially pedal steel. And, and it's, it's like a different type of linear um, language, you know, and um, it really, uh, it, it, it's, I, I, I don't know if everybody understands how, how, uh, how tricky and deft it, it is to, to operate it competently. I know a lot of people will say they double on things, but not everybody's always as confident as you guys, you know, and because um, I mean, on our record, you know, you 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 flipped between both. I think, right? There were some songs you played pedal steel, and others you played lap. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like you know, I can accomplish things in a very kind of simple melodic mode on pedal steel, which which often is what kind of what you need, you know, um, but. God, when I listen to the Masters, um, the Pedal Steel Masters, it still sort of leaves me <laughs> kind of blank, you know, like, how do they do these things? I mean, when you listen to, you know, the Nashville greats, I mean, you could just go on and the West Coast people, Bromley, and all of these, all the, the, the Masters, I mean, I, I, it still sort of leaves me you know, just kind of, kind of awestruck. I mean, when you listen to a guy like Buddy Evans or, or Curly Chopper or any of these people, I mean, there's so many and they're so great. I mean, when I listen to Lap Steel, you know, there, there's certainly a, a whole other bunch of masters that I, I swoon when I listen to people like, you know, Lindley and, and all these guys and, um, and then there's all the Dobro things, but I think with the Dobro and the lap steel, I have a sense of understanding, at least, of what's going on. But when I listen to the pedal steel people, it's just kind of like, uh, it's mostly because of my, you know, my, my lack of experience on that instrument, but boy, I mean, I just, uh, sometimes it just boggles my mind, I just don't even know quite what's going on <laughs> I don't really know how they're doing these things and how how they're doing them so fast and so cleanly and and so seemingly effortlessly but yeah. um, you know I mean I'm still even uh, um, I had some time at the beginning of this year and um, and I I you know went into a pedal steel period and uh, I took some uh, I I, I started some lessons with a, you know, a more senior pedal steel player um, in my area. And, uh, you know, it's still, it's a huge, it's a huge world. It's a huge ocean still for me, pedal steel, but um, super enjoyable. I mean, I love it. I love playing it. And, I still and, have never, you know, I, it's going to be years until I feel kind of comfortable with it, but. Um, <laughs> I know how you feel. Are you you're using uh, finger picks, right? And um, on your right hand, because uh, you're right-handed, and on both, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's you're using the same. Uh, I guess you're using metal picks, are you, for the most part? Uh, 
two metal finger picks and I use a plastic uh, thumb pick. For both, right? For lap steel and pedal steel? Yeah, I use the same stuff every time. And are you? I mean, I, I use the same same bar for pedal for uh, I'm sorry for uh, lap and dobro. I use one of the uh, shear horn, and uh, of course, when I go on the pedal steel, I use you know big uh, thumb lock bullet bar. You know, typical pedal steel, heavy heavy big bar. You know. Right, and it, that's a little bit of a of a, of an adaptation, no? Yeah, it took me a while. Yeah. I was very, you know, super used to using the um, shear horn and being, you know, like, you know, it, well, I shouldn't say this, but I mean, you know, on lap and on, on uh, dobro, especially, you're lifting the bar off the strings and angling it to, to get, you know, one string at a time. And, and you do do some of that with pedal steel, I, I know, but. You know, for the most part, that the bar is laying on the strings pretty flat, and um, um, yeah, I mean it's a whole different, whole different technique. I mean, it took me a while to. I, I I just remember that frustration of being on pedal steel and, and studying it for a while, and then moving back to the dobro and feeling like uh, like totally awkward and almost having to relearn. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, however, these days I, I I have um I'm much more comfortable switching back and forth, which is which is good, you know. So yeah. Hey, um, we should. I'm 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 going to be uh, interviewing a VM Bot and his son in a few weeks. Um, uh, cool. So, and I know I wanted to touch on your. Um, Indian excursions because uh, the more I've, I, I actually first got exposed to that type of slide from you and then oh, cool. yeah yeah and then I interviewed Doug Cox in Canada and he's like oh man I did two records with Bot and or maybe even a couple maybe even a third he did and he's like oh I'll, I can you know so <clears throat> you know to get prepared for my interview I started watching videos and I'm like Oh my God, you know, oh, yeah. I'm like, this is a whole nother thing. And, and I'm not sure that people really understand how unreal it is. And so if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I was, uh, my introduction to it was, uh, very random. I was on tour with Marat, and I was playing, so I had been playing steel for a while, and I was feeling fairly, you know, um, comfortable on lap steel, and um, I remember the day I was in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I was, I had sort of an afternoon free before we played PT uh, the Bears or something, and um, I walked into this music store, and they had a whole rack of uh, VHS tapes. And I was looking around, and one of on the spine of one of the tapes said Hindustani slide guitar. And I pulled it out, and there's this uh, on the cover of the VHS tape was this uh, Indian gentleman sitting cross-legged playing a lap guitar that was unlike anything I had ever seen. And I remember asking the guys at the store, I said, do you, do you know anything about this? And they were like, no idea. 
So, you know, I uh, I bought the tape. I stuck it in my bag. I was still on the road for a couple of weeks. And um, I came back home. And I dumped my bag out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I bought this, you know, I bought this tape. And uh, I popped it in. And basically, you know, just kind of my jaw dropped. Because I, I had never seen an instrument like that, and I had never seen such technique. I mean, you know, and I certainly, at that point, seen uh, Jerry Douglas play, and, um, you know, a lot of slide masters, Sonny Landreth, and, uh, you know, guys who I think really, um, uh, really push, push the boundaries of technique as far as, uh, slide guitar goes and I had never seen anything like this and uh, I got really you know you know ultra obsessed as is my as I want to do and uh, (laughs) I started looking it up and um, at the time I I knew that there was a connection between the guy on the tape um, Devashish Bhattacharya and uh and Bob Brosman. Um, and uh, I, I found a contact email for Bob Brosman, and I just sort of emailed him, and I said, you know, I've just discovered this, and um, are there any teachers, uh, like in New York, that do this? And he, he responded very quickly, and he said, no. You know, there's no one <laughs> really in the States that can play like that. And he said, but the guy that you watched on the tape, um, Devashish Bhattacharya, is actually coming to New York in a month to do a, uh, a teaching seminar. And, I, you know, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to that. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I found the organization that was hosting it, and um, I uh, stayed with a friend of mine in Brooklyn, and to my joy... You know, it wasn't very well publicized, and there's probably not, there probably, at the time, uh, probably wasn't that many people that either knew or cared, and um, when I got to the, uh, this little, uh, you know, um, organization's headquarters, uh, there was only one other student signed up for this thing, and he didn't even play lap style, he, he was, you know, a, a, a German man who played, you know, pretty good uh, bottleneck. But um, uh, by that point, I had acquired one of um, Bot's, uh instruments, uh, Mohan Vina. And, uh, you know, I had you know, just so naively started to learn a couple Indian things. And uh, the Devashish uh, uh, Bhattacharya walks in the room, and um, you know, I I spent a week with him, essentially one on one, and I was kind of hooked after that. Um, uh, some year, uh, several years later, I spent a week in Connecticut with um, maybe uh, nine or ten other students, uh, staying at an Indian family's house while uh, Devashish taught. And uh, he basically said, you know, if you really want to, if you really want to immerse immerse yourself in this, uh, you got to come to my school in in, in uh, Calcutta. And 
about three years ago, which was probably 10 years after I had initially seen that video, uh, I, I did a Kickstarter campaign uh, that funded my trip and a recording in, uh, I funded my trip to Calcutta and I, I wound up spending uh, close to five weeks at his school and wound up even cutting a, a recording over there and I was thrilled um, to have his brother Subashish play tabla and uh, uh, Devashish played, uh, played on three songs and his daughter was kind enough to um, sing on several tracks, and it was it was very exciting. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, and uh, you know, um, but uh, <laughs> the the greatest part was um, having the time and focus to play ten, twelve hours a day because that's what the Indian guys do. And you know, when you start doing that when you're whatever three or four years old, by the time you get to 30, 35, 40 years old, you're, you're insane, you know, you're, so you're insanely good, you know, you're, that's how, that's how they, the, the Guruji's over there get so great, the maestros, you know. Right, right. I think it's definitely informed your playing now, um, even on other styles, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. You know? Yeah, I, it's, I, I also think it, it informs, it informs you just how much practice and discipline you need to, to really get it, you know, to really get it sounding, happening, and the tuning, and how much discipline you really need and pressure you really need to put upon yourself to to make stuff sound the right way and, you know, and, and how much... Uh, Focused practice makes the difference, you know, and uh, I don't think I'll ever forget that. I mean, even now, I'll just, I'll sit there for hours just doing the same exercise over and over with the metronome, just going faster and then slower and then faster and then slower, and you just do it for hours. I, I learned that from from Devashish and the, the, the Indian method of practicing, which uh, they describe as... Uh, you know, um, many drops of water, you know, very simple things, just over and over and over and over and over for hours, you know. Uh, once once you do that, once you go through that experience and, and, and see the results, see the fruits of that labor, it's, it's pretty hard to kind of go back to kind of casual practice. Exactly. I, I call it that. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at, too, because that's what I want people to understand about the whole process, you know, um, and and uh, yeah, I was that's what I was being told about bot as well is that there's just it's and the practice and the routines are endless and but it's a beautiful thing, too, because that's how you get to I, I mean, I totally encourage anybody who has never heard this stuff to go onto YouTube and check it out and have their, I they better be in a closed room so they can pick up the pieces of their exploded brain. Um, pretty much, pretty put, much. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't, even if you don't, 
enjoy uh, or have not been exposed to, you know, indie music, ragas, and stuff like that. I mean, certainly from a, if you're a slide player or you have any interest in, in slide technique and you have not seen the playing of uh, either uh, Devashish Bhattacharya or VM Bhatt, or there's, there's, um, uh, um, there are several others that, that are also incredible. Um, I think that, you know, you really, you, you, you have to, you have to check it out because there's nothing like it. And, you know, and I think that, it, that my experience over there with, and the practicing and the, the ritual and the, just the, the sheer focus has extended into uh, not just my slide playing, but how I approach music. Like, you know, when people say, all right, well, can you learn this song? And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll rehearse it tomorrow night. You know, when I think, when these days, when I think, you know, about like, have I learned something yet? I basically think about my Indian experience and it's, it's kind of like, you haven't learned it yet unless you've played it for, you know, <laughs> 15 hours straight so that you cannot make a mistake. You know what I mean? No, I know. It's, because, that's, that's what I got out of watching them. I'm like, there are no mistakes. No, no. There's but, not a lot of, you know, you know. And it has feeling, though. It's not like it's clinical, you know? It, no, no, I mean... Although, you know, I just remember the scale practicing and and practicing the slides and he would be in another room or he would be upstairs and come down and he would, you know, you, you are not, you know, your transition from, from Sa to Re, you know, which is, you know, they, they don't have Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do or they don't have TFC, everything is Sare, Gama, Pa, Da, Nisa. And he could, you know, from three floors up, he would come down and say, you know, your, your transition from this note to that note your, is, 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 is totally wrong. And you're, 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 not, you're not sliding up from the same note. We're not playing blues. You're not playing Dwayne Allman. You're, <laughs> you're playing Indian, you know, and he would be very hard on very hard on students and very uh he wouldn't accept anything but uh but the way you know what i mean uh, yeah. there's you can practice blues and i think there's there's a certain amount of leeway you know what i mean um I, I, there are certainly blues players with phenomenal technique and there are other guys that have a raw technique and it's all beautiful but if you're playing this Indian stuff, there's, you know, there's one way to do it, basically, and that's sit there, for, <laughs> sit there for a year with a with a metronome or an electronic tabla and, and get it right. And there's no, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of uh, forgiving, put it that way. Right, you know? right, right. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's a that's a a great uh, note to uh, leave 
um, our, 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 our readers with, you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to it, kids. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it, man. I can't thank you enough. You're, you're the no, man. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for asking me. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks, Mike. Um, awesome, right? Mike Brenner, slow-mo himself. He just never ceases to blow me away. And when I was listening back to that, interview doing some editing and trying to make it palatable for you all uh i went wow that was an amazing interview and i i got a lot out of it the second time so i hope you enjoyed that and i hope we will have an episode 15 coming up in the future um maybe it'll be susan alcorn maybe it'll be another female slide guitarist um let's keep our fingers crossed uh Please, by all means, if you have anybody you want me to interview, let me know. Uh, if you know people who I've named previously that I reached out to who haven't responded, uh, please get them in touch. I'd love to talk to them. Let's, let's keep this going. I do have several more male slide guitar players of all styles and types in the can. We'll get to them eventually. But for now, it's adieu from the slide area, and I'm Ed Pedersen. Take care, y'all. See you later.